to both the saints of Central Vineyard and the saints of St. Augustine's. It's, it's wonderful to be talking to both of our communities today in one go like this. Uh, now next week at Central Vineyard, we're looking forward to having Matthew Newton from St. Augustine speak as we all keep tracking along this Advent Together journey that our two churches are sharing. Hey, whichever church you call home, I just send grace and peace to you all this second Sunday of Advent. Grace as in God's undeserved gift to you. And it's fitting as we think about Advent, the Christ who is coming to us as a gift. And peace, as in God's peace, that is things being in order and perfectly as they should be. Again, fitting as that is today's theme for Advent. You know, let me start with a question today. 
We have all been spending a lot of time in our homes these last three months, which means there's been lots of time to consider our abodes and how they are. And if you were to imagine everything in your home is in order, at peace, everything in some kind of heightened state of perfection, what comes to mind for you? What might your perfectly ordered home look like? Now my quest for perfection at home amidst COVID has been one that has slowly unraveled at the seams. I'm a minimalist at heart, and I think there's a bit of OCD deep down inside of me as well. Um, my wife Gab and I, we often joke that if we were to pack up our lives, pack up our home, I'm taking about three or four boxes of my things and the rest, the rest is all hers. I would prefer the house to be clutter free. I like things to be in their place. I like the music on at the right volume, the right music for the right moment, the right time of year. I like it when the lawns are mowed, the leaves are swept and my car is clean. I often crave that feeling in my soul, that ah moment when all is right with my little kingdom that I call home. And every now and then, everything is perfect. But most of the time, it isn't and it's imperfect. But here's the lesson that I'm learning, and I suspect you might be too. The quest for perfection is exhausting. You know, it's the easy to spot symptoms. For me, it's the frustrations that flare up in me when after all my hard work tidying up the lounge, my three-year-old son undoes it all in two minutes flat by dismantling the couch, laying out the cushions, tipping out his bucket of cars to race them around his newly made cushion racetrack. Or, or it could be me mumbling under my breath as I clear the tenth empty drinking glass that's been scattered around the house, left there by my wife, who seems to drink more water in one morning than I do all week. Or lately, it's been the, the annoyed kick of some leaves that are falling all over our cars and our front steps from a tree that seems to think now it's autumn? I mean, to me, all of these little imperfections are just getting in my way in my quest for perfect order. But, but what if my home is just a window into something bigger? What if wanting a perfect home is just the entree to wanting a perfect life? You know, the formation that we are all experiencing in our cultural moment is this zeitgeist of being promised the perfect life. We have probably all heard the effects of Instagram on our psyche. You know, everything is curated for showing the best side of our lives, our, our pleasure, our adventures. And so just like no one has become an influencer by sharing photos of their most mundane moments or, or getting a million likes for some blurry photo of piled up dishes on their bench, so we approach our lives in a similar vein. Everything must be curated well, look great, and lived in a way as to get likes. And ultimately, we must be the ones liking it the most. Everything must be perfect. And that was, that was a normal time. But these days, these days are not normal, are they? You know, so much of that has come to a stop since COVID, especially since Delta. If there's anything that we're all learning in a pandemic, it's that a virus doesn't seem to pay attention to the promises made to us by our cultural zeitgeist. The virus just does whatever it wants. We're the ones who have to do all the ducking and the adjusting. You know, whether it's been travel plans or the perfect wedding, or even just a few hours with the toddler out of the house so that you can get the house back into shape. We have all had to leave our quest for perfection behind. At the very least, we're figuring out how to pause it for now. You know, all this to say, why, why say all that? We'll just say this, 
Perfection might be at its best a noble aim, but at its worst, it is a seduction. And what makes it such a dangerous temptress is that try as we might, it is nearly always not in our own power to achieve satisfying it. Eugene Peterson says in his book, The Jesus Way, that we aren't called to walk the way of perfection, but the way of imperfection. Now, if Advent really means what I understand it to mean, I think it has something to say about this quest for perfection. And in what way could we find an answer to it? So today's Advent reflection, I'm calling it this, the way of imperfection and the king we need. Now, like last week, this talk today, it's, it's wrapping around the Advent devotional from then, the week number two. And you have hopefully got your access to one of these in your Advent pack that you received, whether it's St. Augustine's or Central Vineyard. And we're going to be looking at this card this week. And like last week, I'm just wanting to prime the pump a little bit further for you today, so that as you go into the week, this will be a little bit richer. So, on to this idea of the way of imperfection. Now, for the last year, one of the practices that I have been doing is weekly praying a psalm. I choose one at the start of the week and I slowly repeat my way through it for all seven days of the week. Now today, for our second Sunday of Advent that we find ourselves in, like each of the weeks of the Advent resource that Venn have given us, we are invited to start by reading a psalm as this opening consideration. It's Psalm 72. Now, these poems, these prayers, these songs and these writings, they have a certain vulnerability to them that makes them unique to the other literature in the Bible. These writings, they record this embodied journey of imperfect people communicating honestly with God about what isn't perfect. There is a way of accepting imperfection amongst these songs and these prayers. Now, most, of, most often David and the fellow authors let out their declarations of how unclean, how imperfect they are. They let out how broken the world is. And as we looked at last week, they petitioned God that he would come and ransom them of these troubles. It's a book full of language that is gut level and raw, confessions that are almost unedited. They're so exposing that it's almost sometimes embarrassing to read them today. And I think even the best lawyer would struggle to take this book and to make a case for the idea that perfection is the entry requirement for life with God. No, no, instead the evidence is pretty conclusive. Imperfection is the way. This is a book for those of us who don't have it all together. These are the prayers for all of us with perfectionist expectations of ourselves. It's confronting to read or to pray with words of such anguish or repentance, of sorrow, of expression of violation. But as we pray them, we are taken through the scenery of what things look like when life before God is not as we imagine it as our best version, our picture-perfect version, our most presentable version, but instead earthy, damaged, cracked shameful. And at the end of most of these poems, the outcome is often similar. The author comes around after somewhat purging themselves of all of the dross and the junk. They declare their praise to God and their hope that they have in Him to do His salvation work amongst them. Now, the book of Psalms as a whole there's 150 of them, but it's actually broken down into five volumes of Psalms within that whole. And so this week, 
we're coming to Psalm 72, which happens to be the end of the second volume. Are you tracking with me? So if you read in one sitting Psalms 42 to 72, you would have covered the entire second volume of Psalms of the Five. And if I could give you a very short summary of what the second volume is all about, it's simply this. There's a lot of imperfection in the human condition. Now this volume, it, it opens up with David lamenting how sad his heart is. He's discouraged, he's gutted. And the next Psalm is the sons of Korah. And it's about how God doesn't seem to be doing what he used to do anymore. And this Psalm always shocks me because it has that phrase in it. Um, Wake up, O Lord, why do you sleep? Get up, do not reject us forever. Now, now, that's not a line many of us seem to be singing together on Sundays as the banging chorus of our favorite worship song. We've sort of parked that, haven't we? But, but on and on and on this volume goes. Psalm after psalm, cry after cry, that things are not as they are meant to be. Both within the psalmists themselves when they look inward, but also for Israel and her people. Psalm after psalm, summarizing that things are far from right. Sin is having all the final say. Suffering is winning. God, come and respond. Where is your justice? And then we get to the last psalm of the volume. Today's reading, Psalm 72. And like so many psalms do, we find ourselves being turned around. To see from another perspective. And it's not about the imperfection anymore. Instead, it's the portrait of everything being as it should be. It's a vision of true shalom enacted and a kingdom at peace. Solomon is the writer of this psalm and he sketches out a good king who is in charge of the kingdom in good ways. This king provides for his people. He protects the vulnerable and the weak. And he has a kingdom where there is flourishing everywhere that you look. You can see it everywhere. Now, I'm not going to quote it all to you now again, but it's in your Advent devotional. So please, this week, sit with it. Sit with it in a long and slow way. I, I encourage you to do so. It's a beautiful psalm. But I just want to show you a couple of pieces out of the psalm now so you can see what I'm trying to show you here. So this is a psalm of Solomon. Verse 1, give your love of justice to the king, O God. Solomon is interceding for the king and righteousness to the king's son himself. You know, help him judge your people in the right way. Let the people, uh, let the poor always be treated fairly. Verse three, may the mountains yield prosperity for all. May the mountains yield prosperity for all. Or down to verse six, may the king's rule be refreshing like spring rain on freshly cut grass. I love that picture. Verse 12, he will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. What a, what a great king this is. Verse 14, he will redeem them from oppression and violence for their lives are precious to him. I mean, this is just a little snapshot just to whet the appetite there. Sit with the psalm this week. Do that work. I, I guarantee there'll be some beautiful things for you to see in there. If we were to ask the psalmist, Solomon, what they think of when they think of order and perfection, here's the answer that they would give us. They see the reign of God's truly perfect King. That is their ah moment. They see God's truly perfect King. It's a portrait of one who can bring relief to those who are suffering. 
It's an image of a good king who will bring into being what is right. It's a vision of all things flourishing. Amongst all that has gone wrong, this is a picture of what it is meant to be right and who will make it so. This picture is actually the backbone for the longing and the hope that the people of God had who awaited their Messiah to come and be that kind of king. You know, amongst the way of imperfection, here is a picture of things being perfect. And who did the psalmists trust to do this work? Who's going to instill this picture of perfection? Not themselves. God. Now, there's two things I just wish to convey today for this last little bit of this talk today. Firstly, I think we have all traveled the way of imperfection more than we probably care to admit. But I think that it would do us all good to admit it a little more. You know, when we think of the last three months, the last 12 months, probably even the last several years, maybe even our whole lives, how have you processed out the things of imperfection? Things that have not been right. And, and so along have come cries of repentance or lament. You know, requests to God to come and to heal what's been infected, to come and clean what has been dirty, or, or to fix what is broken. You know, maybe hopes to be released from the suffering that we are witnessing. You know, frustrated outbursts at all the headlines on the news. Or, or maybe it's quiet tears on the way home from a trip to the hospital for a test. Maybe it's that unsettled feeling, that awkward feeling that we have in our gut when a certain name of a person is mentioned who we don't see eye to eye with at the moment. Maybe it's anxiety about the future. Maybe it's despair over another COVID variant being announced and ruining all of our plans and all of our dreams for what 2022 could have been. Or the uncertainty of trying to plan the next big event next year that you're not even sure if you're gonna be able to make happen as you hope. And amongst all of that, maybe as a way of coping of this way of disorder and imperfection, you found yourself back in an addiction or an unhelpful behavior that is on loop these last couple of months. And you just don't see how you're ever going to get out of the cycle. You can't seem to stop the ache that's inside of you, the, the one that sits in your gut and makes you feel like you aren't meeting up to the life that you are meant to be living before all of the disorder of this global pandemic arrived and the great disruption that we're now living through has happened. And the truth is, we are just not capable of meeting the demands. But we're not alone. We have wonderful praying partners on the journey. We have David, Solomon, the sons of Korah and company, and all of these people who have walked the way of imperfection, feeling those same demands, and they arrived at this conclusion. God's the one bringing things to perfection, not us. We are called to leave our counterfeit hopes and trust in God's anointed, the one who God was sending to rule as the good king. And that's the second thing that I wish to convey. We aren't the makers of our own perfection. No, we, we, we're like the psalmists. We are found on the way of imperfection and we are invited to lean in and to trust the work of God for our salvation and for our redemption, for our deliverance and for our restoration. You know, the second week of Advent, 
we focus on the arrival of the true king who will reign in peace. Christ, this servant king who, who came to establish his kingdom of peace. The God whose peace is the rule of shalom and everything being at rights. This good king. The one that Psalm 72 is acting like a signpost and pointing us towards. It's he who has come and is coming again as Christ. The one who is and will always be the true king. Who reigns now and will reign forever. Even amongst the disorder. His spirit is at work bringing the order of peace into our sin-weary and our sufferingly tired souls. And though we walk the way of imperfection, in Advent, we prepare ourselves to meet this Christ who has come and who waits to redeem our walking of life, bringing us back into step on his way with him. You know, the Venn devotional card asks a very good question this week. The question is this, the joy and peace you long for comes from trust in God. Where do you need to trust God now? That is a very good question to be asking. You know, I wonder if you're finding yourself this Advent feeling the weight of disorder, finding yourself flat, exhausted, worn out, unsatisfied with the way that this year has gone or is finishing. Are you going to dig in harder by yourself and and try to change and, and make it happen that you won't be in that situation again next year? Or are you going to listen to your fatigue? Are you going to listen to your exhaustion that this way of disorder and this way of imperfection has created this signpost, not just to keep trying harder, but but that your soul, it needs attention. And our psalmist friends would say to us, embrace this way of imperfection because it brings you to the king this Advent. And the good news is this, the king is in the business of making all things flourish. He's in the business of making all things new. Or that is, he's in the business of doing a perfect work in us, for us. And so as we approach the end of an imperfect and disordered year, one that has been marked by the mess of disruption and dissonance of polarization and all kinds of things going on, we can, like Solomon does, change the channel in our minds and we can see a different image that it might then illuminate our hearts. We can see the king who has come to reorder the chaos. The king who has come to calm the storm. The king who has come to care for the outcast, to tidy up the mess, to, to, to see flourishing on the hills and to clean us from our sin. Amongst all of the imperfect picture that we can only see, amongst all of the imperfect picture that we've just journeyed through, there is something beyond on the horizon. It's the rule of the Psalm 72 perfect King, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Central Vineyard and St. Augustine's, may we see that King the second Sunday of Advent.